0: And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me in the studio today, Dr. John Vance. Hello. And on the phone, special guest, Twyla Brace, President of Citizens Council for Health Freedom.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me.
0: Well, Twyla, it's great to have you with us today. I think we've already hinted at what our discussion is going to be, and it's going to be about health freedom. We um, have a number of listeners and ourselves as well here at Redeemer who are are trying to learn a little bit more about what Obamacare is. And the more we learn, the more we become concerned. Uh, We have discussed some of these uh, issues before on A Plain Answer. Today, um, Twyla, uh, you understand uh, Obamacare probably more than many of us do. And uh, the whole area of how states can refuse exchanges, uh, we want to talk about but uh, even before we get there, um, uh, somebody may be thinking, well, what is a so-called exchange? I don't know anything about this. Maybe in simple terms, what we can do is, um, leading up to a discussion of healthcare care exchanges, just help people learn what is this all about uh, within the context of Obamacare.
1: So I think the best way to understand an exchange is to look at what the proponents are saying and then what we realize it really does. So what the proponents are saying, those who want to put an exchange in, they're saying that this is a simple marketplace, a, an online marketplace, for people to shop for health insurance. Or they're saying it's a one-stop shop for buying health insurance online, and the government's just going to set this up, and it will make it so much easier for people to find health insurance. Mm-hmm. But what's really important is to look at what the law says and to understand what the exchange really is. Because the exchange is essentially a federally controlled mechanism being installed in every state so that the federal government can take control of health insurance and the delivery of medical care within each state. So it is an online place, but this online place, this exchange, this place where you will go and you will see what all the bronze, silver, platinum, and gold policies are, it will be limited to whatever the federal government says can be offered. Hmm. In addition to that, it will be at prices the federal government says um, it can be purchased at. And then there will be uh, federal premium subsidies for people within certain categories of income after deduction. And this will increase the number of people who go on to Medicaid. And in fact, the exchange by under law, is required to put you into Medicaid if you meet those income criteria. even if you are going online to buy a private health insurance policy. Um, In addition to that, you have to look at the exchange as being this major data collection uh, system. You're going to put in some information about you and your family, including your income and certain demographics. And they might ask you even information about your gender or your sexual orientation or your, um, your disabilities, or your language, or, or whatever. And then all of this is collected on this website. But the website, as you know, is all about cyberspace.
2: Mm. And
1: the, this data travels through something called the Federal Data Services Hub, and from there it travels to various federal agencies, like the Social Security Administration, the U.S. Uh, Department of Health and Human Services, Homeland Security, the IRS... Um, the Department of Treasury. And not only the data that you put in, which you're going to think of as a relatively small amount of information, but they're going to gather information from um, the state about you to pre-populate the exchange. In other words, to put a lot of information in there that the state already has about you, including potentially using your medical records and information from your medical records to provide you with um, a scoring card of doctors that are listed in the exchange. Mm-hmm. So this is a this is a much bigger system. We we actually look at it as a national insurance registration system and IRS enforcement system. In other words, when you go on and you buy insurance or your employer goes on and they buy insurance, they register with the federal government and the IRS that they have purchased insurance for you and that they have purchased approved federal government approved insurance because if they don't purchase approved insurance, or you don't, then you will be penalized. And then if the IRS uh, finds someone who doesn't purchase it at all or doesn't purchase approved insurance, although all the insurance on the exchange is going to be approved, um, then they know where you are and they can come and enforce the penalty. So Mm -hmm. we don't look at this as a simple one-stop shop for buying health insurance. We look at this as a federal takeover center where the federal government puts its fingers and its hands into the state online, and then uses it to control everything that happens there.
0: Yes, and I'm just looking across the table here, or well, across it's the big, space. Bro- it's Big Brother. It uh, is.
3: Fully arrived. You know, it's been, uh, incrementally, uh, this has been happening, but all of a sudden, it it's full-blown. It, it is a freedom issue um, about not simply health care, about all of the whole of life. Right. And the kind of country that we will have henceforth.
1: That's absolutely correct. And one of the things... When I look at the data that's going to be exchanged, and this is where you get to see the intrusion. In Minnesota, they're building an exchange despite having no law to do so, totally under executive order. Mm -hmm. And if you look into the contract with the, the company that is building the exchange and will be maintaining it, you will see that the following information is what they can have access to public information, non-public information, private information, confidential information, welfare information, medical records information, health records information, federal tax information, anything that's called a record under the Federal Privacy Act of 1973 and any other information that the Secretary so chooses. And so, you know, if you're just going to go somewhere and purchase insurance, they don't have all this information on you. They just have whatever you give them. When you realize that the exchange is going to pre-populate Itself, an entire data system with all this information about you, and then continue to gather it on you from you and your employer and the state. Did you realize exactly how big and intrusive this could be? And once it's all set up to do this for healthcare, what else could it do? It what well, else that's it the use all this data
0: that for? is my big worry as well. Not just the healthcare, but the fact that um, if you want to control an entity or control a person. One of the best ways of doing that, um, if you have evil intent, is to find out as much information as possible about that person. Not just where they live, what their habits are, uh, what their um, uh, weaknesses are, where the chinks in their armor are, as it were. And this, uh, this indeed sets things up in a very dangerous way towards more government intrusion into our very lives. Well, we need to take a break. Um, Today we're talking with Twyla Brace, who is the president of Citizens Council for Health Freedom. I'm Dan Elmendorf in the studio, Dr. John Vance. This is all um, related to Obamacare. And I remember that during the debates... um, you know, I, I don't see that as a, as a positive phrase, but uh, Mr. Obama took credit for it, and he actually liked the phrase. So we're we're using that uh, rather negative phrase uh, with his full approval today, and, and we're talking about Obamacare.
2: Stay with us. We'll be right back. We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, one Two, four, six, one. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program.
0: And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. And today we're talking about health exchanges. It's related to Obamacare. Um, before with the break, Twyla, you helped us understand a little bit what an exchange is. And um, we've got some more questions. One simple one is, what does the federal government intend to do with the exchanges?
1: Well, I think it's good to just think of the uh, exchange. We've got this great picture on our um, on our website that just shows that there's really only one exchange, and that's the national exchange. Mm-hmm. And in every state is a website portal with a state name. That's what the plan is, right? And then it has, if you just think through cyberspace, just think of wires going straight up to this federal data services hub, yeah. and then wires going straight to the federal agencies. The exchange really is that federal data services hub, and everything else is just arms of the big national exchange. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the way I envision it is this is just, This is just a way to bring everyone to a single system and have it look like there's just one in every state. he will have it look private, but it really isn't. So, you know, I I think this is just all about moving us to national health care. I think because we look at it as an insurance registration system, I believe it's the way that everyone will be pressured into the mm-hmm. individual mandate to purchase health insurance, mm-hmm. it is moving us towards universal coverage or national health care. That is really the purpose yes. of it. And most people will say, without the exchanges, Obamacare cannot succeed. Hmm. So if you want to know how to stop Obamacare, we say the way to stop it is to stop the exchange from happening in the state or to thwart its ability to operate or to cause it to mm-hmm. implode. Now, there I, are I think we exchanges from... in, in the past that have imploded because nobody went into them.
3: I think we knew from the beginning when it was proposed, even though we didn't know the details, and we still don't know a lot of the details, and the full force of this will not at least impact us directly until 2014. I guess that's the date. Right. Um, And the important thing, though, is this is just a stage for single-payer, government single-pay program, uh, I guess, suppose, like Canada or Great Britain, and uh, anyone who thought otherwise, I think, were were being...
0: uh, Self-deceived,
1: right? There's no doubt. There's no doubt that this is all about the federal government taking over the entire hmm. health care system.
0: I was shocked. Um, you know, when this thing was being debated before it was voted on, uh, the comments of Nancy Pelosi. You, you all remember it. She said, "We have to pass it to find out what is in it." And I thought, "Wait a minute." I, th- I thought you uh, you guys were elected officials that that were supposed to understand potential bills before you voted on them. I, I, it was just a shocking admission of what was really going on here.
1: That's right. Yes, they didn't know, they didn't write it, and they didn't read it. And, you know, we're all still reading it. And not only mm-hmm. are we reading the 2,700 pages to try and figure out everything that's in there that we may have even missed if we read the entire thing the first time, um, but also the regulations. So, you know, the day before Thanksgiving, another 350-some regulations came out related really yes. to really? Obamacare, and that's to add to the 13,000 pages there already is, oh, and there my. are more to come.
3: Oh, there will be uh, many thousands and thousands of pages, and I don't think we'll understand fully what Obamacare is until these regulations are entirely written. Mm-hmm. It's that's not...
1: right, and they have refused to do the one on the so-called federal exchange, and so for your listeners, just to try and grasp this, what the law actually says is, if states don't decide to put in a state-run, although federally controlled, a state-run exchange, mm-hmm. then the federal government can um, create and operate an exchange that all the people in New York, for instance, can go to. Um, but interestingly enough, the Obama administration did not expect that the states were, I mean, what they expected was that states would just install these things, even though they're going to cost 100 I mean up to a hundred million dollars a year for state taxpayers, mm. they just thought states would do this, so they didn't give themselves money to build the federally run exchange mm-hmm. and so now they're trying to figure out what to do as many state governors and legislatures say, no, I don't think we're going to put that thing in mm-hmm. and and so um, and so you know the law does authorize the federal government to do this, but they're not equipped to do it, and they aren't telling the state governors even what it means or what, they're putting out no rules regarding the federal exchange, so it's just sitting there, and governors are saying, well, we're we're not going to put in the state exchange, which looks like the federal government is going to come in and take over health care, and you're not even telling us what the federal-run exchange even looks like. So we're just
0: mm-hmm. we're just
1: not going to cooperate here.
0: Now, help me there. Um, do you have any s- examples of states which have s- held up their hands and said, whoa, whoa, back off federal government, we don't agree with what you're doing. Have, have any governors stood up and said, wait a minute, stop everything?
1: Oh, yes. And and we have some letters, like from um, Governor Scott Walker in Wisconsin and Governor uh, Jindal in Louisiana and Rick Perry in Texas. Mm. has just a fantastic, fantastic letter. He says, there's no such thing as a state exchange. This is all mandated by the federal government and run by the federal government. It's really a great letter and so, yeah. you know, if people want to go to the website, I should actually give you oh, that do. address. It's uh, www.cchfreedom.org. Cchfreedom.org. And while yep. they're there, if I may recommend it, um, we have an e-news that comes out weekly that provides what I consider interesting information. That they don't get it, uh, they won't get a lot of places because we have a lot of new sources that less of people don't read. So sure. I just recommend it.
0: Yeah, and what we'll do is um, this: this broadcast gets posted up on our website, and we include a little write-up, and God willing, we'll put a reference to your website in that write-up as well. Again, that uh, address is cchfreedom.org. dot and I believe I signed up for the e-news. Uh, this is very valuable, what you folks are doing. Um, it's hard to get objective, truthful news anymore. Uh, I guess the thing that really irks me is that um, uh, particularly the politicians will will misuse language. And they will make things sound like, oh, this is all all good. For example, let me go back to 1996. There's something called... Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. Oh, those sounds like wonderful words. Why wouldn't I like that? Well, it was um, it was actually and incorporated many of the provisions of so-called Hillary Care. Right. And um, that was the dirty little secret. Uh, there's, there's a medical identification number for each patient. Uh, there's a uniform electronic database of personal medical information available nationwide. And so it's almost as if uh, the... Uh, the camel had gotten his nose under the tent quite a while ago, and our rights and privileges and privacies have been consistently eroding out from under us. and we many of us didn't even realize it. Well, in terms right. of, of political balance, this is running roughshod over what is
3: called federalism. Yes. And uh, we, we are uh, we have tipped the balance towards statism, and there seems to me in the near term anyway, that's the revolution.
0: Yeah. I don't see how we can turn the clock back. You know, this electronic data, um, I don't know if you folks have been to the doctor recently. I, I, maybe about a year ago, I went to my doctor, and uh, she brought in, I have a lady doctor, it turns out right now, she brought in a laptop. And as I talked, she was typing into her laptop. Now, that in and of itself is not so bad. The problem is, where does the data go? Uh, does it, does it, which database does it go to, and who has access to it?
1: I think there are several things um, I'd love your listeners to understand about HIPAA, that so-called HIPAA form that they're asked to sign. Yeah. The HIPAA form simply is uh, acknowledging that they have received the so-called Notice of Privacy Practices, which we call the Notice of Disclosure Practices, and it acknowledges that they understand that they don't have any privacy, yes. because as soon as you read the notice of privacy practices, you realize there is no privacy um and so we encourage people not to sign it, and we're we're collecting stories of people who refuse to and what their uh, doctors and nurses and the management say back to them. Yes. some of them have been told they can't get care, but that, you know that's completely unlawful to say that they can't get care because the law only requires them to try and make a good faith effort to get people to sign that form and Mm -hmm. that form was deceptive meant to tell people meant to make people think that this was all about just letting their doctors have their medical information and no one else it was all about making them think this had to do with a consent process but it's nothing whatsoever about a consent process and really hipaa with the, um, the Tech Act, which has another long name, but mm-hmm. it was part of the um, Recovery Act with the stimulus bill. Yes. The two of them together, HIPAA and HITECH, give 2.2 million entities access to our medical record information. And that access will be acquired as soon as a national health information network is built. And that is... There was like um, twenty-seven billion dollars in the stimulus bill to build that network.
2: Mm-hmm. Well so that...
1: this, this, this is all about. It's not even as much about privacy as it is about control. He who holds the data makes the rules. Yes. So this is all about controlling the doctors and moving toward rationing of care by access to the data and by access to the doctor's decision and by access to the behavior and all the other pieces that are revealed in your medical record about mm-hmm.
3: you. It's so interesting. it's really all yeah. about
1: control and rationing.
3: Uh, my own doctor, uh, physician, uh, is uh, going to retire, but he quit taking Medicare patients, and and uh, I don't know altogether what all this means, but he quit taking patients, and uh, he's refused to take any more, and he's retiring early hmm. because he does not want to uh, face this uh, Bureaucratic quagmire that he f- is going to face as being a practicing physician, mm-hmm. and I understand uh, Twyla, Maybe you know the statistic better, but there's something like a shortage in the future. They project some organizations project that ninety thousand doctors will uh, b- will be short in this country.
1: Right, and the e news that um, that we put out maybe a month ago, we titled it "The Silent Exodus," and that came from a um, a survey that was done, which showed that forty four thousand doctors were going to leave by now the statistic skips my brain as Mm, that's when it was but um the silent exodus because people don't understand that they can be offered all kind of coverage in the world but it's just a piece of paper with words on it if you can't actually access care what does it mean to have a piece of paper it is better for you to have your own dollars and take them to a doctor that would be happy to see you because you have dollars, not insurance, not Medicare, not Medicaid. All you want is care, right?
0: That's right. Right? Oh, That's yeah. what
1: the health system is all about, is care. Yeah. Not about a piece of paper.
0: Yeah. What about people who would take the opposite side of the coin and, and argue for Obamacare and say, Oh, with uh, pre-existing conditions, it's much more forgivable, and you'll just be accepted in, da-da-da-da-da. What would you say to that person?
1: Well, what I would say is you have to think about, first of all, this silent exodus of doctors. So, great, now, you know, nothing can keep you from being covered, mm-hmm. but you're still going to be looking at the problem with access to care. and. Um, There's a third of physicians already who don't accept Medicaid patients, and I I would bet that that's going to go higher um, because um, Obamacare is offering Medicaid to another 16 million patients. Well, where are these patients going to go? So, again, yeah. and the other thing is, let's just say you can find a doctor and you can get care, but what care can you get access to? I mean, there are actually, you know, Sarah and coined them death panels. There are actually two panels. You may not want to call them death panels, mm-hmm. but one of them is called PCORI, and it's Patient-Centered Outcomes Research Institute, and they're going to use access to your medical records data to decide what is necessary and what is unnecessary care, and then they will make their recommendations to the Secretary of Health and Human Services, and she has fiat authority to decide what is covered and what is not.
2: That's scary. So, you know,
1: look at that, and then you get to decide, what does that mean? And so so what that you're covered? What if the one thing that you need, they don't allow you to have access to?
0: Yes, that's very scary. That's a dictatorial
3: power, of course. And the thing that I noticed in your discussion of this, while up to this point, is that all future health care decisions will not be based on health care, but on economic uh, decisions uh, decided by people that have no relation to health care in one sense.
1: Right, and political decisions. You know, what's the what's the flavor of the day to get the most votes? Yes. You know, what is it that, that you can say that you have required access to that's going to get you the vote that you need? I mean, I think that was part of the whole thing about a contraceptive coverage before the election was, who was whose votes was that going to bring in. And so, you know, it all becomes political. It all becomes someone's preferences, and it becomes someone's ethics and someone's values, and certain things will be covered, and... Certain things
3: won't. The, the people out there might get depressed, but I think there are some, uh, if you will, a silver lining in some of this. Number one is that the enormous cost to, to implement fully Obamacare, we've yet to fully understand, and that may present a barrier, uh, and, and people should understand that, that they need to be uh, exercise their political freedom to make sure that we bring the budget under control. Yes. But one of the most uh, encouraging things uh, happened just recently when – uh, the Supreme Court, SCOTUS, I think they remanded the lawsuit of Liberty University back to the lower court and, and insisted that they hear it. Right. And that seems to me uh, that might be an opening once again to examine uh, mandatory uh, the mandatory side of this before the Supreme Court. I don't know. What do you think, Twyla?
1: Yeah, I think that um, I mean that's a Liberty University has insisted that now that the SCOTUS has actually heard the other two issues that this was never part of that ruling and now needs to go forward in particular having to do with employer employer mandate and so you know i i think that there are other lawsuits to come i also think you know people should not be depressed because the fact of the matter is the achilles heel of obamacare is the exchanges Mm -hmm. there are 30 republican governors now and a lot of them are rising up to say no but the federal government is dangling all this money in front of their noses and hoping that they will move Forward and, and we would just like um, the the people of every state to just say no to their governors, sure. no to their legislators. And, and if they don't do Medicaid, then it will be hard for Obamacare to be expanded into a greater number of the population. I mean, I, I just think that the silver lining is how dependent the federal government is and the Obama administration is on the states to make Obamacare happen. And mm. so the people can rise up and... and with their legislators across the country, you know, no to this. Now, maybe New York will say yes, but then how lonely are they going to be? Are we going to have Obamacare on just the East Coast and in the middle <laughs> of the country yeah. there's you know, those will be the free states.
3: Well, now, Cal- California, New York, was surely.
0: Uh, oh,
1: surely, you know. yes, of course, California. But you know, in the in the great middle of the country, it sure. might be where there's uh, there's freedom, and then yes. eventually the rest could collapse.
0: Yeah. Now I'm l- I'm looking at the clock here. I see we're out of time. Uh, this has been a fascinating discussion, and very likely we'll need to follow this up uh, with another plain answer uh, sometime in the future, Twyla. Uh In closing, could you give the listeners one more time? Um, your web address so they can uh, log on to your web and find out more.
2: Sure,
1: it is cchfreedom.org. And if they want to give us a call because they don't have the Internet, they can call us at 651 646 and I'd be happy to send out the 15 reasons to oppose the exchange or Obamacare and the privacy principles or, you know, we've got a little packet that we can send them.
0: Oh, well, that's beautiful, and they can also contact us here, but directly your number again is 651-646-8935. Uh, today we've been talking with Twyla Brace, President of Citizens Council for Health Freedom, In the studio also with us is Dr. John Vance. I'm Dan Elmendorf. A reminder to check out our website where this uh, podcast is posted at RedeemerBroadcasting.org. Please join us again next week at the same time for another edition of A Plain Answer.